Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. I think it's so neat that you're able to join us through this medium, and it means so much to me personally to hear that this has been used to encourage so many of you. It has always been the posture of Genesis to tangibly extend the love of Jesus in various ways, both locally and across the world. We support programs that assist families in need, contribute to ongoing works and building projects in Mexico. We've built a latrine and cafeteria for St. Andre's School in Haiti, as well as are advancing a food program there that we hope will help feed the children for years to come. The money collected for all these endeavors could have paid for a facility of our own many times over, but instead, we've intentionally chosen to be a mobile community since we began. We now have before us an opportunity to invest in a building of our own. We're not doing this, however, without considering the works we're committed to or even the works we feel compelled to keep doing in the future. But we're asking, if you've benefited from this podcast or from anything that Genesis has done, would you consider partnering with us by donating to this work directly at www.thegenesisstory.com and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks, and God bless. We are continuing our series called Friends. And this is taken again from John chapter 15, where Jesus was talking to his disciples and he says, I'm not calling you a servant because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. I'm calling you friends because basically I'm letting you in on what is happening. I'm, I'm letting you in on what God is doing. And so he's bringing us into this dynamic relationship where we can actually become friends with God, that we could know him in such a way that it is deeper than just an awareness that there is actual relationship that is taking place, and it takes place through Jesus. And so this series called Friends, and we're looking at 1 John, and we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, because John was one of Jesus' closest disciples, there was Peter, James, and John who were always with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. They would be with him through the times of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And John calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And so John kind of sees himself as Jesus' BFF. I was there. I was friends. When Jesus got up in the morning, I got up with him too. We walked. I walked with him. Where he went, I went for three years. I was there with him. And remember, John is not trying to get us to just understand forgiveness. What he's trying to do is get us to understand friendship. The whole purpose of forgiveness is to lead to relationship. It's that way with all of us. If you do something to someone you care about that causes friction or tension, hurts them, what needs to happen so the relationship could be restored is forgiveness. And that's true with us in our relationship with God. And that is the, the goal. It's not about, oh, Jesus just came so you can be forgiven. No, Jesus came so that we could have friendship with him and with God. And so that is really what we're looking at and talking about. So turn with me to John chapter 3, verses 13 through 24. And let's read this together. 
It says, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. A few months ago, I took my granddaughters to Disneyland with my wife and my mom. And it was one of their first times, you know, they just came to to be with us. And so we thought, what a great way to kind of make in good with the kids, take them to Disneyland. They're sure to like us now, you know. You go to Disneyland, and so we go there, and, you know, there's a little uh, just getting to know them because it was a few months back where especially Tori had just come to be with us. And so, you know, trying to get to know her, make her feel comfortable, and things are going great. But when you're at a place like Disneyland and you've got two different people who like two different things, you're always trying to please them, right? One likes this ride, the other doesn't like this ride, one wants this. And so things are going pretty well. I'm going with Tori on the fast rides, Corrine's going with Savannah on the slower rides, and everything's going well. And then it comes lunchtime, and it's a little bit late because we've been going on the different rides. We're at Disneyland, you know? And so we're like, oh yeah, it's three o'clock or two o'clock, whatever it was, and it's lunchtime. And so we're trying to find out a place. No, I don't want to go here. No, I want to go. Well, here, this place has a few people. And all of a sudden, it's just like, what is going on here? They are just like going crazy. And this is what it reminded me of, literally. Have you seen this commercial? (laughs) You're just not the same, right? We're like, what is happening? These girls have turned into these little you know, Tasmanian devils, and they're just, no, I don't want to eat this. And and finally, we give them some food, and then everything gets better. It's like, what, you know? So now I just keep, like, granola in my pockets, you know, every now, just like, here, have some food, you know, keep keep food going. That way there keeps this kind of mood going on, you see. But there are signs that you can't suppress when there's something going on. You could not suppress the frustration that they were feeling because of what was happening in their bodies. They were hungry, and so it started to show. Well, the same thing is happening here. There's signs that we can't suppress if we indeed are friends with Jesus. 
if we are in relationship with him, then it's going to be evident. And first he says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. And remember, when he's talking about the world, he's talking about a world that is void of an awareness of God. He's not talking about the world in general. He's not talking about nature. He's not talking about people. But when there are people who are living lives just separated from an awareness of God, don't be surprised if they don't like you bringing about this kind of conversation about God. He tells us not to be, you know, surprised by that thing. But notice he didn't say, go out and try to make the world hate you by your judgmental, annoying comments on Facebook. Okay? He did not say, be obnoxious. He said, don't be surprised. And remember, at this time, there is intense persecution taking place in the early church for their beliefs. Their beliefs are shaking not only the religious world, but they're shaking the culture that they live in. They're no longer making sacrifices. That was big business back then. You would go out to the, the local you know, idol place and you'd buy animals for sacrifice or whatever. And now they're saying, no, we have this relationship with God. We no longer need this. And so it's causing tension with the economy and of course, the people who believe in different types of gods are that Caesar is God. And so the world hates them for these reasons, not because they're idiots. I just want to make that clear, okay? It's not about go out there and make the world hate you. I remember talking to this one guy and he, he came up to me. I was doing music for a church and he came up and he says, yeah, you know, I, I share with my neighbors all the time. I'm like, okay, that's cool. He goes, yeah, I, I turn up the Christian radio station really loud so that they have to hear this person preaching. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm thankful you're not my neighbor, you know, because, like, that's not how you do it. And I said, that sounds a little annoying. And he was like, well, no, man, if the world hates you, you know, it's like, no, that's not what it meant. I would hate you, okay? <laughs> this is... This is not about presenting, presenting ourselves in a way that brings annoyance. It's about being an example so much so that people can't ignore that example. And he tells us in verse 14 that the true sign, the test of whether we're really in relationship with God, it's not about your doctrine and what you know. It's about how you love. Verse 14, he says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. Now, Grandpa John is shooting straight. He's just telling it like it is. He's at the end of his life. He's wanting to make these things really plain and clear. And our definition of love is probably a little different than what John's is here. I mean, our definition, I mean, we love the idea of love. Romantic comedies, oh, I love those. I love, you know, a cold drink on a warm day. I love the warm fuzzies I feel, you know, when I watch that movie or whatever. We, we love the idea of love, but you see, he's pushing 
further. It's not about a feeling. It's not about emotion. It's about how we give of ourselves. We love one another. And, and then he throws this in. Whoever does not love abides in death. Abides in death. That's kind of heavy. What does that mean? Well, if life comes from God and if God is love, then when we don't love, then we are actually separating ourselves from God, separating ourselves from life, and we are, in a sense, abiding in death. I don't think that John is talking about you're going to go to hell or not. It's you're living a life that is void of the life that God has and that God is in. And so we're abiding in a place that is void of God, which is death. Because God is life. And so he's trying to get us to recognize that this type of living is actually killing that if you are not living in this dynamic relationship of love, then really you're not living in the presence of God and it's affecting you. And it's really important that we recognize that he's talking to us as a community, those who are believers, those who are followers of Jesus. He says in verse 15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Again, not pulling any punches. He, he's talking, again, from Jesus' words. You have heard it said that you shall not kill, but I tell you that whoever hates his brother without a cause is a murderer, says you fool. He, he's talking about attitudes of the heart that tend to show up in lives that are lived, that the step we take towards this hatred is a step away from God, which is destroying us. And it's like murdering somebody, not actually, but kind of in this attitude. And so he's pushing us to be aware of these things because you have to understand, just like today, at that time, you have people who come to faith from all these different walks of life. Some of them were, were Jewish and traditional, and, and they went to synagogue, and they learned the law, and then some of them were, were Romans, who were actually the ones who were oppressing the Jewish people, who worshipped foreign pagan gods, who didn't know anything about the Scripture, about the law, and then they come and they sit next to each other. And one's there and they're very kosher and the other one's eating bacon, you know? And, and it's like, whoa, what are you doing? I can't sit next to this person. They're unclean in my mind. And, and John is really pushing, don't you understand? It is how you treat each other that shows who God is. And it's important that we recognize that what this is is about how we are devoted to each other. I mean, what does this love look like? Is it about saying hi? Yeah, I said hi to him. I'm good. I don't ever want to see them outside of church, but I said hi to them in church. What does this love look like? Well, he tells us in verse 16, by this we know love, here it is, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Oh, man. Anyone uncomfortable right now? Okay, anyone feeling like, what? 
I didn't come to church for this. What is this going on here? You see, John is telling us that the love that Jesus has offered is the example we are to walk in. It is not self-pleasing. It is not self-serving. It is actually sacrificial. Giving of ourselves so that others can do well, that's what it looks like. So instead of going there and saying, oh yeah, I don't want to associate with them. See, I, I don't talk to them. Oh yeah, they bother me and I'm not gonna be disingenuous, okay? I, I think God wants me to be sincere. I'm gonna be sincere. So I'm not gonna talk to them because I'm being truthful to my, you know, God doesn't want me to be a hypocrite. Anyone ever said that, right? I mean, you guys are laughing because you said that, right? You, it's like, it's like I, I don't want to go there. And so no, I, I don't, I'm not gonna go there because I don't really like them. And John is saying, don't you understand? It is not about how you feel. It's about how you give to care and help for someone else other than yourselves this is how we know love he gave us that example that's how we are supposed to follow our love is modeled after his love understanding what jesus has done on the cross is at the heart of what our belief shows up like in other words it's what we model after. Understanding what Jesus has done, this is what love looks like. It's how we are supposed to live. And I think for many people, this idea of love or Jesus giving his life is a spectacle. It's something that they view, something that they see. And when you say Jesus loves you or Jesus died for you, it's kind of void of a connection to you. In other words, they, they say it. Imagine you're in a kayak and you're sitting there out in the kayak and there's a dock nearby. And all of a sudden this guy comes running off the dock and he jumps in the water by the kayak and he jumps in and he can't swim and he's sitting there floundering and he goes down once and he goes down twice. And right before he goes down the third time, he lasts breath. He says, I love you. And then he goes under. You would think that was weird. Right? I was like, uh, and then you'd keep kayaking on. It's like, what was that about? You know, the guy just came in, he said he loves me, but he just dove in the water. It's not connected to me, really. It was his thing. And I think a lot of people see Jesus dying for us as a spectacle, something that they see but aren't connected to. But imagine if you're in the kayak and you don't know how to swim and you don't have a life jacket for some stupid reason i there's a story there i won't go into that another time and so you're in the kayak and all of a sudden the kayak tips over and you're the one drowning and you're the one floundering and then someone jumps in the water and to get you back on to the kayak or to get you to safety they end up giving of themselves so much that they drowned but their last words are i love you now it means something. You see, now it's not a spectacle. Now it's actually a substitution. Now it is an example. It is the greatest example. There is no greater love than this. Someone has given themselves to you completely. I mean, isn't that what parents are supposed to be, right? It's what we are. How many times do your kids pay you back for what you've done? Anyone? Never? Okay. <laughs> 
from the parents there. Kids say, no, I showed up for your birthday that time. Um, You see, it's different when it's connected to you, when there's meaning. And that meaning affects you. It changes you, and it's an example to you of what love really looks like. And that love starts to show up into this example. And this is where we see the extent of God's love and the extent that we're supposed to love. And then there's a transition that takes place in verse 19 where he says, by this we know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Why does he say that? Why does he move to this place? He's talking about what love is and then he says, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Because I imagine he knows what we're feeling. An example, how do you live up to this kind of example, Right? It's like, oh man, you tell me this and already I'm feeling pretty low. I mean, gosh, I don't, you know, really? The people here, I'm supposed to care for them like this? Yes. Oh man, I don't do that. And he says, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and knows everything. And what he's saying is, don't sweat it. You see, it starts with the awareness and then it is God who starts to develop that within you. He starts to do a change in us once we recognize the truth. But there has to be a recognition. There has to be something that we start to understand. You see, because the point is, beloved, verse 21, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. This task is too great for us, but it's not too great for God. And you see, it's really connected to what Jesus has done. And that's why in verse 23, when he says, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. You see, his commandment is more than just love one another. It's to believe on Jesus and to love one another. Why is that necessary? You see, the... The necessity is there has to be a recognition that there is a life we are supposed to live that is beyond our ability. And we all know that. We all know the people we're supposed to be, and we all fail to be that person. And if we never acknowledge that, we are in denial, right? The first step in recovery is to recognize that I'm not able to deal with this habit, this addiction, whatever it is, that I need assistance, that I cannot live the life I know I should live. I need help. And the help we need is from God. An awareness to this condition is what brings about the idea of redemption, where we see I'm drowning in life. And I need this for me. And that changes our attitude towards everyone else. Now I don't look at a stupid drowning person. What are you doing? No, you see, I'm drowning too. 
See, I'm, I'm missing that mark too. See, I, I'm less than what I should be also. I, I know that. And we all vary in degrees. And we all vary in struggles. And we all vary in our inadequacies and our hurts and our hang-ups, our habits. We all have places where we fail to be all that we're supposed to be. And that's where Jesus steps in. He says, it's okay. I've got that covered. I will redeem that. Buy that back from you so that I can help you step up. And from that place of redemption, we're able then to move to the appropriation where we actually step into this and start to see it shape our lives, where now I can't love you the way Jesus has loved me, but I know what it looks like so I can move into that place because I have the example in Christ and I have the motivation that he's done this for me already. And so now I'm starting to live out this faith and this relationship because I've seen it played out. You see, I think the amazing thing about John wasn't that he got to walk with Jesus and hear all the things that Jesus said. I think the amazing thing is that when he was with Jesus, he got to see all the things that Jesus did. The, the things that happen that are beyond the teaching, that were the example that we have written in Scripture, like when they would bring the kids to Jesus and the disciples, get these kids out of here. And he goes, no, 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 bring these kids to me. See, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. If you're going to enter in my kingdom, you've got to be like this. The woman who's brought in before him naked, caught in adultery, and he doesn't condemn her, and he doesn't shame her. And they must have stood back and said, whoa. Going through Samaria, the place where no Jew would go into and talking to that Samaritan woman at the well, knowing that she's had all those husbands, was living with someone, and he didn't shame her. He actually revealed God to her. All these examples of love played out to them that they now get to see through him. And John is saying, listen, I've got to tell you, this is the commandment. You believe in him. And believing in him results in loving one another. I've seen it. This is what it looks like. It starts with the redemption that he brings to us. And then it starts with the appropriation of us walking in it. And then it ends in the worship where we actually give of ourselves to God. And this is what a friend of Jesus looks like. This is what it looks like to be a friend with Jesus. But it has to start here. It has to start with one another. Looking around, I know you guys come from different places, different walks of life. You like different music. You watch different TV shows. Right, some of you will tell me a TV show you watch, and I go, that's a stupid show. Because <laughs> right? it's not my taste. And then when I tell people the shows I like, they say, and you're the pastor. <laughs> and we have these variances, but there's something that is more important. You see, I was drowning 
And this man saved me. And you were drowning, and he saved you too. And that's our example for one another, where it doesn't matter what political party you believe in. It doesn't matter what social economic class you are in. What matters is you are now my family because of what he has done. And it affects how I see you because now I see you're the opportunity for me to extend God's love in spite of those differences. No, because of those differences. You see, how do you love someone you disagree with? You give yourself to them. What? That's right. That's your example. You humble yourself of your right to act superior, even if you think you are, and take on the form of a servant, which is what Jesus did for us. And you esteem, lift others as more important than yourself. If we did this, we would be a magnet to every human being who saw it because it is the desire of our hearts. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be in a place where people try to understand us, try to help us, try to give us that boost to elevate us so that we can become the people we know we're supposed to be. If we were a community that just lived this out, we would have to get another place. Because people would be breaking down the doors to be a part of something this beautiful. It's what our souls desire. And John knew it because he walked with it every day. And this is what he's trying to relate to us. You guys, this is his commandment. You believe on Jesus and love one another. If we would do these things we would understand that God is going to work with us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. This is life. This is the life we want. This is the life we desire. This is the life that God is able to give. And it happens when we abide in him and we love each other. Let's pray. Father, when we are told these things that we are to love our brothers, we are to give of ourselves to them, to lay down our lives even as you've laid down yours, there is probably someone who comes to mind that we really don't want to do that for. Maybe it's a person on Facebook. Maybe it's a person in our family. Maybe it's a person sitting in the row across from us. But Lord, this is where it begins. This is where life shows up. This is where love becomes more than just a feeling. This is where we change our world and the world that we live in. This is where we make our mark. This is where we plant our flag. This is where we stand You've given us the example. You have rescued us. You have captured our hearts. 
And in response, we want to live like you. As everyone's praying, I want to challenge you. If there is someone who has come to mind and you think of that person you're having a hard time with, you, you can't forgive them, you, you, that you've been wronged by them, or you just don't like them for some reason, there is some tension that is going on there. I want you to recognize that your response should be to give your life to them. And so find out what that is. Maybe write them a card and say, I'm sorry I haven't spoken to you in so long. I just wanted to see how you were doing. Maybe it's a simple phone call. Maybe it's just opening the door of conversation. See, I think people like Mother Teresa didn't plan on being Mother Teresa. They just planned on loving the person in front of them, and they became who they were because they did what Jesus did. And I think that is before us now, that if we would just take the step and do what Jesus did, that we would be who Jesus was to the people around us. So whoever came to your mind, let that be your first step. This area of difficulty is your area of healing. This person who you struggle with is your potential to grow past this and to be more like Christ. May you step into this love and may it provoke a life of worship. Let's stand together. May you understand that God is greater than your heart, that he does not condemn you. And may you know that you abide in him because you love your brother. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Enjoy each other's company. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.